When Zarathustra arrived at the edge of the forest, he came upon a town. Many people had gathered there in the marketplace to see a tightrope walker who had promised a performance. The crowd, believing Zarathustra was the ringmaster come to introduce the tightrope walker, gathered around to listen. And Zarathustra spoke to the people. I teach you the overman. Mankind is something to be overcome. What have you done to overcome mankind? All beings so far have created something beyond themselves. Do you want to be the ebb of that great tide and revert back to the beast rather than overcome mankind? What is the ape to man? A laughingstock, a thing of shame. And just so shall a man be to the overman, a laughingstock, a thing of shame. You have evolved from worm to man, but much within you is still worm. Once you were apes, yet now man is even more ape than any of the apes, even those on tape. Hello and good evening. I am William Morgan and this is 42 Minutes, a production of ThinkBook Radio and TheThinkBook.com, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Think42 and at ThinkBook. It's Tuesday, the 31st of March. And though I'm sure girls on film would be much prettier, tonight we are going to check out some apes on tape. Yes, we are. Hello, Doug here, and tonight for 42 Minutes we are connecting with Nick Peterson, who created the Apes on Tape music blog back in 2009, which is dedicated to shining the spotlight on talented independent musicians, which is in fact what he just did as he hosted the Apes on Tape showcase at Treeport Music Fest this past week. This was Nick's second year of doing this at the festival and hosting these free public showcases at Woodland Empire. More information about Apes on Tape can be found at apesontape.com. Hi, Nick. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm, I'm getting back to normal. <laughs> the recovery. <laughs> yeah, I, that, was, that was a lot of festival. Are you in the Bay Area? Yes, I am. And did you make it back? Are you home now? I did, yeah. I flew out at uh, 6. I got up at 6 and flew back yesterday morning. So it was uh, a quick turnaround. And then how many tree forts have you uh, witnessed in, in as someone just going to the festival, I guess? I think I've been to all but the 2013 run. Uh, I was in Austin the week before and didn't make it up. Okay. But then as far as having a professional component to the thing, you've done that two times? You know, the first one, actually, we covered two. Um, and that was kind of, I think, when Trifle was sort of figuring out a lot of things and getting the ground. It was fun to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, so I think in 2012, the first round, I had met Eric and Matt and everything the November before the March launch. Actually, that no, was January, excuse me. So kind of seeing it progress and being involved with that, the first year was fun too. Okay, yeah. It's, the first one was strange because it just kind of was, it just happened. And so I, I saw, you know, before it happened, not too long, I thought, well, this is something that's kind of special. We need to check this, check this out. But, I mean, I didn't take any time off work. And, um, you know, my wife and I split our time between the kids. So one person would go and then one person was at work or something, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I know that I missed a lot of the first year 
Like I didn't see a single main stage though the in 2012. Now you're taking time off, Douglas? I took the whole week off, yeah. <laughs> it's involved. And then I I took the I did not make the rookie mistake of not taking the Monday off. That is a serious part of it. Yeah. And I mean <laughs> Gilbert was on air doing his radio show on Monday morning, you know, just I know every year I see him posting on like, especially if you're in the West Coast, it's like seven or eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, sheesh. But I guess that's why things happen with Eric Gilbert is he's not taking the Monday off after Tree Fort, metaphorically and actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm I okay. Wanted... Okay, wait, 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 wait. All right. When did when when did Tree Fort start? 2012. Okay, but Apes on Tape has been going since 2009. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what Apes on Tape is. I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. You bet. So originally, um, I had started the college radio station with some friends at the University of San Diego. And Apes on Tape was kind of just a portfolio piece for when I was graduating and, you know, putting together interviews and pieces that I had done to have kind of in one place aside from the radio station. And then that sort of evolved into something that still is. But, um, yeah, I guess I've been kind of feeling it out, and it's been growing since then. A lot of people have come on board since the last five years. Is it, is it, your, is it something that became your job, or is it still kind of um, your passionate thing that you would like to be your job? You know, I've been riding the line on that, and I would say more the latter because just the way that, you know, with websites and traffic and the models, the payment models work these days. When I took the route to make it the former, it started becoming something that I didn't like. And, I, you know, the content, I think, was suffering and the structure of it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so, you know, if that becomes your job and it's something you don't like, then why do it in the first place? Right. So the balance between that's been very interesting, and I think especially as sort of the blog climate has evolved as well, um, has been an interesting dance to, to do. Are you being compensated for your work there? You know, I, I have, and like with ads and events and stuff. Um, but now at the current time, actually, I think it was after South by Southwest 2013, I had come back and I was meeting with a friend who runs a really awesome site here in Oakland. And we're talking about analytics and uh, stats and stuff. And that time, I was stressing about it. And he was like, you know, if you want to do this in 10 years, imagine how you want it to go down. And I realized the way I was doing it at that time was not exactly the way I wanted to. You know, if I'm posting four or five uh, Rihanna and Kanye news articles, that that's not exactly what I enjoy doing and writing about. And it's kind of getting away from the point of the site. But that was all kind of dependent on the pay-per-click um, CPM ad model, uh-huh. if you're familiar with that. So, yeah, I've, I've shied away from that more and do more features, and I don't think there's any ads on the site now. Um, eventually, I might come back to that, and doing more, like, event stuff and merchandise and alternate routes uh, is way more fascinating. But it takes more time to build that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. getting there. Well, you mentioned Rihanna and Kanye, and so there's no <laughs> way... <laughs> There's no way we're letting you get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Can you explain title to us? 
I mean, so the headlines are so horrible for these right. these musicians saying, "Hey, musicians get on stage and show how to how out of touch they really are." Right, right. You watched the live? I didn't watch it. I, like I haven't had the time, but I mean, I clicked on it for a little bit, and it it is a little awkward and and kind of painful. It's like an award <laughs> show without good... any audience. It's true. It's like a self-congratulatory award show. But uh, I should say also, I do love Kanye Jones' music. So I'll put that aside. But the news cycle, I think, is a little ridiculous, like yesterday. So, yeah, title, I think that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of concerns both for Billboard and independent artists about the streaming model and everything there. And I think what Jay-Z is trying to do with that is put it back into the hands of artists. But it's it's pretty interesting. I'm not sure that they will achieve too much, but I guess time will tell, right? Yeah, and then can you somehow reconcile that, you know, so like those, those people want to be compensated and we just spent five days with people who, you know, are putting everything into what they're creating for very, very little compensation. Right. And so I think one of the comments largely from the independent music community was that it's sort of a rich get richer argument. And it's almost like, you say, hey, the quote-unquote music industry is these 12 to 15 artists, and they're protected and compensated, but what about the rest of them? And I think choosing sort of a exclusionary model that says, we're going to pull all of our stuff never except for this this title market um, that gives us the power and everything, is a, it seems like it's a very exclusionary club that may benefit from that, but on the whole, you know, 99% of people trying to make music is a living won't be affected by that at all, or at least beneficially affected by it. Yeah, I don't know. So we were, one of the questions I, you know, as we do interviews with bands, it's like, where do you get the most bang for your buck? Is it like Bandcamp or iTunes or Amazon? And it, it's hard because I think the consumers are going to go where they feel most comfortable. Right. Well, I think one of the large arguments is with Tyler, you're getting high quality audio. And it's kind of like, uh, if you're familiar with New Young's Pana system, the high-quality audio. Damn it, you guys are depressing me. <laughs> we we got, well, yeah, okay, so Let, let's, let's switch Go gears here. I mean, obviously, th- to take on the task of what Apes on Tape has become, you have to love music. Tell me your history in music. I mean, who has inspired nice. you, and what have you played? Have you played in any bands, or are you in a band now? Yeah, it's really funny when I uh, talk to people now about that because I would consider myself a musician first and foremost, and Ape Tante was kind of just doing a workout, or at least it lasted the longest. Um, but yeah, I started, let's see, saxophone in third or fourth grade, did that for four or five years, started guitar in the middle of that, and enjoyed that a lot more. And I think once we had to do marching band for five days a week or something, I quit the official band you know, the school program. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't look back from there. And then kept playing. And a lot of my friends were still in that, uh, especially percussionists. I think playing in high school, we had a, actually in middle school, I think we started a band, uh, the first one. And then there's probably four or five during high school, um, some in college, and then after college, a few. So you yeah, have played a lot. And I think that fueled it as well. And it's sort of a symbiotic relationship where, bands that I've played with or know I can turn the spotlight on them, um, which is great. But 
forging those connections, both playing and then sort of from the journalistic side, they go together well. Is that what you do, your day job? Are you a journalist? Uh, no, not really. I think it, I wouldn't consider... See, that's a, that's a good question, but no, I wouldn't consider myself a journalist, no. Interesting. Mm, the, the thing is, is I, I, I hear you about not being a journalist, but like we were talking about before we started this, we're learning how to talk to musicians and the amount of time and stuff. And I've read some of your interviews, and I'm like, you, you're doing a good job interviewing these people in, in a way that's making me a little bit envious, just to give you some credit. <laughs> Thank you, and I appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, but I'm still wondering, I mean, who do you love to listen to? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I think that shifts all the time, which is the great part about doing the site. It's fun to give you last set, and I think writing sometimes three or four posts a day, I forget, like, the last month or so that I've been listening to. Um, I think the last recently, I mean, the Tree Ford artists that we had, I think were phenomenal. I'm tickled by a lot of them. Um, TV on the radio, too, that was at Tree Ford. Awesome. I love the latest album, Seeds. There's a few Oakland bands, um, Trails and Ways, Water Strider, Bells Atlas, um, Make Under, that around here I think are doing really great things that are interesting and innovative. But it's, I think that's the fun part about it is each week I'm introduced to new artists, whether it's somewhere local, West Coast or New York or everywhere. But that question I always forget the answer to it. <laughs> based on the sheer volume of it, I think. But, yeah, and is some of it, so you're listening, it's more like, okay, I need to kind of prepare for this series of whatever is coming up, and so you're listening, like real focused listening? Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that is, it's, uh, I think, pros and cons to it, where because of the amount of music coming down the pipeline, it's sort of the like treadmill coming through a lot more often than I would like to spend with it. I think I'd like to spend more time with the albums than I get just because I need to be able to be prepared for the interviews or the review, whatever it is. Yeah. So then how did you put together your showcases? So some of that was bands that I had known before, I'd say a few, and probably more so last year. Um, and then you look at it and say, hey, who's going to be in Tree Fort? And, you know, it's bands kind of hurting cats. Basically, some are coming in from out of town. Some are already there. Some are coming from a different show. Some are trying to leave after the show. And then it's kind of a matter of logistics and narrowing down from the bands that you have on a long list to what actually works out. Yeah. I, I mean, so that's the one element that we don't have to worry about. We're just trying to catch them on the road somewhere between someplace and someplace else. And they yeah. have a willingness to talk. But you are you have a captive. So, like, how did you find the Woodland Empire and decide, do you have a relationship with someone there? Yeah, Robin Keeley. If you guys are, you should definitely see that. It's a great, great brewery, a lot of good beers, and just getting a good, good vibe to what they're doing. And they're pushing the envelope, I think, in terms of Boise beer and everything. But uh, I think it goes back to Eric and I had, well, to go a little further back, I was trying to start a festival before Tree Fort in eastern Washington. And then so when I heard about Tree Fort, I was just, you know, blown away by the idea and how they could pull it off. And so I think I talked to Eric a lot about that and the idea kind of pushed forward. And eventually that turned into a showcase at South by Southwest, an official showcase and all that. And then we kept talking and I wanted to move that to Tree Fort. And so I think to me, the, inter the original introduction between me and Woodland Empire, Robin Keeley. And then from there, 
uh, that relationship has evolved and it's been great. It's, I love it. I, I went to the Rose Quartz show that you did. <laughs> did you see the, the speakers blow out? Yeah. But I mean, so it's, it's so tight as far as, so like I I think I saw a couple songs and then I had to run. You know, so the speakers were. Was it was it the speakers or did was it a circuit? Did you blow a few? It was actually the circuit. It was the circuit. Yeah. So it was funny because last year we didn't have that problem, but I think this year, the way that it's set up, maybe it was the 240 versus 120 or something that we were running all the sound through one circuit that kept breaking. Ah. Uh, so I guess live and learn for next year. How, uh, how many times did it go out? probably like four throughout it, which it sucks because you don't want a band to be in the middle of a breakdown or a rise or something and have that happen. But I, you know, it's learning experience. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, it sounded great in there, but I wouldn't have guessed that that would be the case. I mean, it really is the brew room. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's the actual brewery. And that's what we thought too. We're a little nervous because, you know, the sheer amount of cement and yeah. just the steel or aluminum in the back. But actually, for whatever reason, I told Rob that it must be the beer that's taking care of the work for us. But <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> the beers reverberate. So you've got them. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. That's good shit, though. So, I mean, okay, so now you're, like, participating in Tree Fort, this festival culture, right? But I know that you're more knowledgeable about uh, festival culture. I mean, why don't you talk to us about, like, noise pop and and other ones such as that, that and how they rank up to how Tree Fort plays out? Yeah, you bet. That's funny because I'm writing up the Thoughts on Tree Fort 2015 article and kind of going through that process right now. But I think, uh, you know, you have two sort of two types of festivals in the last the explosion of festival culture, like the last 15 years. One being sort of that rural, um, removed from everything else, camp out style festival, like a Sasquatch, Coachella, yada, uh-huh. yada. Kind of like, you know, we were talking to sisters about that, where you're in there and for the long haul and you got people taking shifts through the night playing different yes. you know, music after music <laughs> that Bonnaroo style set up and then you have the multi-venue urban uh kind of sprawl festival which is like the noise pops um i think uh music festival fast used to be before they moved this last year south by southwest yeah. nj that kind of thing so tree Ford obviously would fall into the ladder there but i think that it's an extremely unique thing one based on the city size and what will has been pulled off but also i think I hesitant to use this word, but just the overall vibe of the festival is a very unique and positive thing at this point, which there's a lot of intangibles there. But I think, uh, you know, if you talk to a lot of the artists at 10, 15, 20 that I've talked to have said that it's the best festival they've played, which I think that speaks for itself. And maybe it's just that probably Eric Gilbert coming from a background playing music and touring and playing a lot of those festivals that I mentioned knew what the positive aspects were and knew how to, put those into a festival that was very artist-centric and played to those strengths. Well, have you ever been to his Ranch Fest? No, I've always wanted to. It's uh, He told me about that after the first year, but it's typically, the, I think, the same weekend as Sasquatch. 
so I've been at Sasquatch a few times. Gotcha. But, yeah, and I haven't yeah. ever made it out. But that's more that Sasquatch type where you're removed from and you're camping out. But, you know, it seems like there was – he had some practice before Tree Fort. So I think he did – That's a great point, too. That's a very good point. But it's, it's interesting because it's – like you're saying, there is – for whatever reason, the town decides, okay, this is when we're going to watch music and we're going to be really great audiences. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's definitely. And I think part of it is, like, because Boise may not have the overload of music of a Seattle or Portland or San Francisco, LA or something like that, that people really treasure the opportunity to go see these acts coming through and, like you said, are really just very attentive, appreciative, and that it goes a long ways, I think, as opposed to, I think I wrote about this in my the first year that Thought Century 2012 or something that in Seattle, by contrast, a lot of these exact same bands had played and, you know, some of them had verbatim said in the Portland or Seattle, they watched this, people were arms crossed and, you know, just kind of watching and figuring out how they would judge this sort of thing. Whereas they took that tour two stops down the road to Boise and it was you know, a dance party. People in, in Boise were dancing. I think of that. That goes into it a little bit. There was a, there was a headline in some Oregon paper about how the biggest Portland festival is in not even in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave Greenwald wrote that. That was a great article. I think that was a good angle too. Yeah, but I mean, but it was true. like fifty Portland bands or something crazy. At least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, I mentioned this. It was fun that there was there's this regional camaraderie. So there was a Portland Day Party at the Neurolux that was free. Definitely. There was a Denver free uh, day party at the I Bo- saw that as well, yeah, the St. Lawrence for Iron or something like that. There was Seattle representing. Um, how much of the festival did you get to see, or were you pretty socked in because of what you, what you – uh, put you know had yeah, on yeah. your docket it, and i guess that would be the only downside of doing the showcase is that i don't get to go see as much as i'd like to and i had sunday to go cruise but um not as much as i wanted to see so I'm, i missed out on i guess two days but then again i gotta see a lot of personal shows at, at the showcase yeah did well, you go to the, some of those the other side shows uh i i made it down to st lawrence once and you know the the problem with <laughs> the the I'm I find myself speaking in the almost South by Southwest language now because there's there's these other shows so like I'm thinking in terms of Tree Fort like uh, official showcase versus you know even though there's not it's just like oh, this is part of the festival but this is just like this but so anyway there's something about in the club with the audience and the lights that creates that kind of spectacle that makes it special. Yeah. And so it's hard because when there is a conflict, I definitely want a second chance, but it's, it's not the same, but it, it still is meaningful. Yeah. It's hard to compare like a action or a large show to an afternoon set with 15 people or something. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I would imagine we'll build with time. And that's like from my own experience last year showcase versus this year was a lot better attendance. And it does flux. Like, uh, do you know, space face from Memphis? I think they played Neurolex on 
Saturday night. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it there. I, that was the night I had to run kids around town. But so they, you know, they played and built the spill came on the exact same time, two blocks away from our, or, you know, block away from our showcase, and the room just kind of emptied. So okay. it was funny to see. Just they had the full smoke machine, the light show they brought in, and just absolutely went for it. And it was, it was great. I think there were maybe ten of us that watched it. But it's funny to compare that show and then 24 hours later they played Neurolex to I don't know 300 400 people I don't know what the capacity is in there yeah but I hear you on that that it definitely makes for a different experience but I think if you look at you know like South by that eventually I think Boise will get to those uh, levels of Boise we'll get to those levels of the day shows being more attended yeah yeah definitely so I the St. Lawrence wasn't optimal for sound or even i mean so they have this big wood fire the outdoor patio one yeah yeah i went by there it seemed like that would be tough to make that so, well especially compared to <laughs> you could put the drummer up there but when they were setting it up they had like this line of mics and so you would have you have this huge cook stove smoker or whatever that thing is and then <laughs> And then, the the, yeah. so the drummer was up there with the the smoker, and then the rest of the band had to be kind of, they had to move some tables and stuff. And I I watched Bed play a few songs there, and and it was nice. But was that uh, a Tender Loving Empire showcase? Yeah, I think so. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that Jared sent emails to everyone. Uh, Jared needs to run that. I was hoping to swing over there, but was busy. I'm so yeah. I wonder. I wanted to. I wanted to try the, the party boys Portland party, the day party at the Neuralux, but it just you know there's so many. It's just there's too much, <laughs> and there's that's a lot part going of the fun. On. Yeah. yeah. But so I'm curious. Like we actually overlapped quite a bit as far as some of the bands that you got in your showcase. I was listening to them after the fact when I was kind of checking it out. And yeah, with Deluxe and Rosecourt and Sisters, that was funny. Synchronicity come through, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it sounds like I was just reaching out to people and, you know, they were the ones that said yes. And, it would, you know, as far as it was conducive to, to doing it. So... You know, how did some of these shows go? I know, like, for me, I think my, my festival high life was Sisters at the Neurlux at 10 o'clock on... Uh... Yeah, and I, I saw a picture of that show. It was packed. But I could I could definitely understand that because I think, man, Sisters are great. It's incredible that they just recorded their first song a year ago. But as you guys know, they have pretty extensive musical backgrounds, so it's not they're not new to the game. But, they yeah, they were awesome. They were unbelievable and a lot of people showed up for that one too that was that was good yeah so i saw some i saw, i was looking at some photos and you definitely had a crowd in there and then uh yesterday yesterday i talked to frankie barnhill and she went to some and she was talking about 30 to 40 people that would kind of flip you know you'd have a crowd for a while and then it would disappear and then another crowd would come in yeah it's interesting because a few people noticed or observed to me that they thought it was artist-based, where I was kind of thinking it'd be the same, whatever, 20, 50 people kind of coming in, coming out. But it was definitely 
new people at some certain points coming in because they were trying to see those specific artists. Like Bear Coven was when I realized it, that people had heard about it and came specifically for Bear Coven, which is great. That's, you know, the whole point of kind of the second chance show is this is this band. They're accomplished. They will put on a great show. You know them. Here's the opportunity to come see them. And so I think that was good that that goal was achieved. Yeah, and then Rose Quartz, when it, when um, I, I bumped into those guys later, and, and I didn't get to see their show at the Rose Room, so thankfully I got to see them in, in your venue, but they said that, you know, they weren't even using their gear, and so they were borrowing Shade's gear, and this was a really good... <laughs> yeah, but... They got to kind of work it out a little bit. Yeah, they said they... I think a lot of the gear on that tour, they... It drove just an SUV, so they downsized on amps and um, drums and stuff. And I'm not sure if that was for the whole Generationals tour. They toured the, the New Orleans band Generationals yeah. before that. I'm not sure if that was the entire tour. Or I, I doubt it. I bet you it sounds like they they were on tour and then they intentionally skipped South by Southwest and then went home to just kind of decompress and then instead of like taking a bunch of crap to Boise and then back to Denver because I think they played with generationals like yeah on the 30th but I totally missed I missed it uh, I'm sorry <laughs> today they were in Lincoln and I think on they'll be in Kansas City after that I was just rattling that off from memory but they, yeah they, that would make more sense if they just dropped it off for those last few days that'd be pretty impressive if they pulled off a whole Eastern Seaboard tour in an SUV. <laughs> yeah, they they seem they were really nice guys. Ever yeah, they're, did you see their whole um, gosh? What's the hashtag they have? It's like the swimming one, swimming across the world. I think where each tour stop to try to swim somewhere, whether it's like a pool or a lake <laughs> or like a hotel <laughs> pond. Yeah, go on to I think it's on Instagram or Twitter if you just search hashtag swimming across the world but it was hilarious to see like one the amount of time and dedication they had put into making this a regular thing but then they said <laughs> someone had hit them up and we're like yo we have a hot tub you need to come over and at first they're like there's no way this can happen and they're like no we know about that like everyone knows what the hashtag like come over and do it and so that last morning they were posting the hashtag from a Boise hot tub <laughs> That's great. So you got some locals. I mean, so last year I found out after the fact about your showcases because I, I realized that uh, Sally Ford played. You had her play last year. Do we have Sally Ford last year? I was... Maybe that was a different one. I don't think... I'm trying to think back. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. It, it was a, a it. It might have been. That the glass place next to Woodland Empire was doing something similar. Could have been. Yeah, I noticed they were doing a lot of events this year too. It's kind of zooish along that strip and all that traffic. I know, right? And then there's uh, pre-funk doing stuff outside because we were thinking about doing an outside party, like yeah. in kind of in that alley. But then there was a lot going on, the conflict and you know sound overlap and all that. So we did we did it inside. That concrete kind of made it a cool space, I think. And so I. So that's was... good to hear because we were debating about whether, you know, outside is great with the sun and everything, but inside I think is a, definitely a peculiar setup and sounded all right. But yeah, what would you think? I'd love to hear. I, 
I thought it looked like, oh my god, what are they thinking, <laughs> right? <laughs> but then it sounded... Not dissimilar to how I felt when I first walked in, like, this is where we're playing, this stuff's gonna go. Right. Uh, but it sounded it sounded good, and it was like a nice, cool, little, like, all right, you're kind of... I parked on the other side of Front Street, and so there's all that traffic, and I just felt like I was in this urban jungle, and then you kind of get out of that, and then you're just in this nice little space, and it you know, it felt cozy and nice, and then you walk through into the brewery, and it, it opens up, and then it's, it's yeah, I think it's a great, a great spot. But um, I was kind of moving in the direction of you got some some local acts this time. Yeah, and that was kind of figuring out how to market it and promote it from afar because last year none of the bands were from Boise and myself and the other people that do it tape were not from there. So that just kind of limits what we can do. And so having Marshall Pool and Big Business went a long way. It's just to spread the word on the ground in Boise. And I, I think it was great. I mean, I love those bands also, but I think that helped out a lot. Yeah, and those were bands that there was some buzzing around like thick business, especially it seemed like people that were, I, I, I still don't have, there's too many of these different kind of bands that are blending with one another. So I'm not sure. Well, they already have, I think they only have one song online. So I could understand if you're not a lot of people knew outside of Boise. I think that was, that was tough. And so then, as an overall experience this year, you, do you feel like, I mean, you obviously are going to go for a different power setup next year, but yeah, how do you feel about it? I feel great. I think it was, you know, you go into anything like this knowing it's going to take a little time, and it's especially difficult not being there and having as much of a, I guess, an in with the community. Somewhat was the Tree Fort people, but that's tough. But yeah, I felt I felt good about it. Rob and I both and Keely as well, we all felt good and I think if it continues to grow and you know, we can learn from a few things that it will be will be fun next year. And then so yeah, it's definitely something that you're just imagining that continues as Treefort grows, so do you. I would think so, yeah. And it's it's interesting to see Treefort change a little bit and then kind of figure out our role in this, especially because talking to Eric and the gang about, you know, how do you see us fitting into the and we could do an event in, in a lot of places, but I think finding where we fit into the tree fort puzzle is very interesting. And as tree fort grows and is a pretty unique beast, that's a fun role to play. Yeah. So I saw that you posted something on your on your page about the Capitol Hill block party. Is that one that you go to too, or as well? Or yeah, yeah, I've gone to that a number of times. I used to. I lived in Seattle. Um, a few times in summer, I was there, and it's great. I mean, you walk from your house and go over there, and it's funny to see how much that's grown. Um, and maybe that's a sort of foreshadowing with Tree Fort too. Is I think we saw MGMT and like Jack White and uh, shoot, who else is in there? All kinds of bands on just a small stage outside of Numos, and now it's grown to you know I think it's fifteen thousand capacity or something like that, spread out over a few days, few blocks sells out really quickly. But they had a great lineup this year. I think they're they're expanding. Yeah. I mean maybe speak to that a little bit. I wonder like there was kind of a little bit of a like th- it seemed like this year's tree fort was definitely 
like there was a lot like when i first stepped down there kind of in the main stage area it was like oh my gosh this is kind of a circus down here definitely and i think that's one thing is that balance of you know first of all keeping the lights on and having enough revenue coming through versus keeping it artist centric like it's great to have all these awesome bands be provided an opportunity to play and be able to travel through but at the same time you have to make it financially successful enough that it's worth all these ridiculous hours everyone's logging in so that balance is interesting but it's also the growth like do you try to keep it the same each year do you try to up it and if you do try to up it how much do you grow and one of the things i noticed about um, capitol hill block party going you know 2008 2009 i think the last time i went was 2011 or 2012 was that you you could tell that the square footage of the festival had stayed the same, but the amount of people that they had put into it and sold tickets to had gone way up. And so rather than choosing the model of charging more, but keeping the same amount of people in there, they had brought in a lot more people, if that makes sense, sort of the, the revenue model there. And there was just way too many people for the size of it. And I noticed that's happened to a lot of festivals like, outside lands in Golden Gate Park. I think it was the gap between 2012 and 2013, they added like 10,000 more tickets. So that's 10,000 more people in the exact same space. So you see these festivals try to add more people or, you know, increase the revenue um, or grow, or it may be. It's a very interesting and tricky balance. So I can see what you're saying about Tree Fort, that having seen it in years past that, it definitely is. It does change. And it's, you know, it's a puzzle. I, well, it, I would say that it felt like there were more people, but I still, I didn't have any problems with lines. I anticipated having problems with lines, but I really didn't have any problems. Did you see the line app, the, how long is the line app, whatever it was? I forget who and Boise made it. I saw it. I don't think I ever checked it. Yeah, I, I thought about it before. I was like, it was a great idea, but... Yeah, anyways, I, I would agree with you. I think there was very limited. And in that way, I mean, Tree Fort is still really awesome in that aspect. On Friday night after Built to Spill, I think it was Friday night, the night I was saying, there was three really, I mean, it was a hard decision because there were three acts. It was Sisters, Rose Quartz, and Bed, all at these different places. And I think that really split that main stage audience. But on Saturday night, I honestly don't know what was going on so i can't say that but what if, for whatever reason it seemed like the whole main stage went to the shrine to see yacht and then of montreal after that and because of that yeah it turned into pandemonium over there for i think 20 minutes or so right and i heard about that uh the day after from some of the organizers that it was just sort of uncharacteristic for tree fort and i remember going by and i was with some friends at the time and they saw the line just decided to go home because it was, you know, obviously going to be half an hour. And then I went in, um, and it was, yeah, it was packed, but I heard, were you outside for that? Did you see the, of Montreal? I, I had, that was the night that I had to go, you know, and take my kids, pick them up and that kind of thing. But I mean, when we were walking over, there was an ambulance, there was a fire truck and there's just people everywhere. And I have no idea it's like, what is going on over there? You know, it could be anything. But, yeah. And then 
did you uh, you said you cruised around on Sunday night a little bit? Yeah, Sunday night definitely got to go to a few more shows. At Rubble Bucket, the singer about the second song in, she had everyone bouncing uniformly at the same time to the beat. <laughs> yeah, and the floor was just bowing. I felt like I, yeah. Right. That's what I know, please. So you were in there. Yeah, yeah. That floor, yeah, you're right, though. That was, I'm not sure that building was cut out for that many people in unison, but I guess it worked out. But I, What I heard, though, is some of the people, as soon as they felt the floor bow that much, they're like, whoa, we need to stop. And everyone's saying, stop bouncing. Because so, it was all uniform bouncing is the problem. Yeah, putting how many thousands of pounds directly on those old beams at the exact same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was my one, but as far as what what you saw, so that like that was one part of the, you know we're wrapping it up now. But uh, so much of what I chase when I'm looking for a musical experience is like something that takes me out of my life for that moment where I'm just kind of I'm in that moment with the musician and you know we're just it's it's this transcendent moment. Did you did you find any of those at this festival this year? Yeah, I would say so. And I think that there were a few during the showcase, just especially when you see bands playing to crowds that are less than they're used to, but you can just absolutely see they're doing it because they love it. And those moments, I think that always affects me, maybe even more so than a 10,000 person festival shows. You know, you can just see it in their eyes and like on their motions that they're absolutely doing it because that moment to them is a wonderful moment and having done that I think on the other side and playing that I get that and it, it's communicated pretty well just by you know watching them play so that that's I've seen that about that a lot that to see someone that dedicated to what they're doing because they love it is yeah I think that's contagious well that was 42 minutes thank you for sharing it with us absolutely my pleasure thank you very much for being with time you bet it's a pleasure meeting you Nick thank you and to our, all of our listeners, you've been listening to Nick Peterson on SyncBook Radio, a production of thesyncbook.com. Information about Apes on Tapes can be found at apesontape.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, check out past shows, or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like this podcast and would like more of it, consider becoming a member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archives, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the host. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much. And you maniacs, you blew it. Oh, damn you. God damn you all to hell.
she got 